Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right, Matthew 24. Let's go ahead and do a study before the study. A lot of information. First service was overloaded, so you probably will be as well. But you are probably being overloaded with what's taking place in the last week. Um, it's very horrendous. I'm not going to get into all those details. Matthew 24, let's get into the Word of God. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. And that actually took place in 70 A.D. with General Titus. Jerusalem was leveled. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And notice what they ask. And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Three questions there. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Now again, you don't want to yell this out. But the, the enemy's ta- number one tactic is not John 10.10. 10. The enemy's number one tactic is to deceive the whole world. Revelation 12.9, deception, including Christians, which we're seeing happening in the church. And so we want to be aware of his number one tactic is deception. Matthew 24.5, For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. That's the exhortation for you and me this morning. In other words, don't be anxious. Obviously, we're going to be grieved. Every life is valuable. As we have over 8 billion people on the face of the earth, every life is precious from conception on. Nothing is, no life is to be taken lightly. We don't pick sides as far as taking a life. We pray for salvation. But for for some of us, we can get very fearful or anxious or worried. We know the rest of the story. Get used to your Bible and that will remove, because that is another tactic of the enemy, is to cause fear in our lives. Fear neutralizes faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now, when you, you can look this up. I'm not a Greek scholar, but when you look this up, the nation here is ethnos, ethnos, ethnic group. So it's just not like Mexico against America against Canada. This can even be ethnic groups within a country. Are we seeing that taking place even in America to this day? Yes, unfortunately. Ethnic group against ethnic group. There's one race, the human race. God does not look at our skin color. He looks at our heart. And kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows, the birth pains. Let's look at Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. We didn't know very much last Sunday 
and a lot of information has come out this past week, the atrocities that took place, atrocities that have not taken place against Israel since, 19, since World War II. There's no question about it. Luke 21, 34, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with, this is Jesus speaking again about the last days, be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and you might think, well, I'm not a carouser and I'm not a drunkard, and cares of this life. Now, Jesus never neglects or tells us to neglect our earthly responsibilities anywhere, anytime. So you want to read your whole Bible. It's not saying, you know, sell everything, become a monk, and go pray somewhere. It's not saying any of that in the scriptures. He's saying the cares of this life, we all have certain cares. We all have certain desires. We have to make sure that they line up with the will of God and with the word of God. Otherwise, we'll become very anxious. We'll become weary, weary as well as worried. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not for a nation will rise against nation. Oops, sorry. In Luke, hello. Lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life that, that day. The word day is capitalized there. I believe it's the rapture. I'll explain why in a few minutes. That that day come on you unexpectedly. Like we have spoken of in the past, even I think maybe last week, in the book of Daniel, we believe that we know the number of days from the abomination of desolation being sent up in the holy place until the time the Lord returns. So if you go into the tribulation, if you're here today and you're an unbeliever, the church is going to be raptured. You go into the tribulation. If you survive the first three and a half years, which in the first three and a half years, half the world's population is going to be annihilated in the first three and a half years. And you see the abomination of desolation set up in the holy place, which means there has to be a temple. And right now on the, on the temple mount, there is plenty of room to build a Jewish temple, which the Antichrist will build. It's going to happen. The Bible said it's going to happen. You could count the number of days and you would know when Jesus is coming back. Just like Jesus said when he was riding into Jerusalem, as he wept over Jerusalem, 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 if you had only known the hour. It was prophesied in Daniel from the rebuilding of Jerusalem to the coming of the Messiah would be 173,880 days. And they missed it. God is a God of order. Jesus is coming back right on time. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Well, it wouldn't be a snare because we know when Jesus is coming back to this earth physically. In the clouds, we don't know the day or the hour. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Let's look at Ezekiel 38. Ezekiel 38, and again, if you're new to the Bible... Make sure that you have a Bible. If you need a Bible, you can take a Bible. There's some Bibles in the lost and found, leather bound. Go grab one back there as well. You know, just scratch the name off it, put your name on it. I don't know why people leave their best friend behind, but some people do. Ezekiel 38. But the team always makes slides so that you can find these books. Now the word of the Lord came to me. Now Ezekiel is in Babylon at this time. Uh, Jerusalem fell in 586 B.C., Okay, so 2,500 years ago, 2,600 years ago, Ezekiel is writing this via the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Son of man, set your face against Gog and the land of Magog. So Gog is the ruler, the head. Magog is the area. 
the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against them and say, so now here's the prophecy, which by the way, the Bible is the only book that has prophecy. No other religious book has prophecy because it can be proved wrong instantly. The Bible has not been proved wrong yet, and it won't be proved wrong. It will fulfill all prophecy. And say, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and lead you out. With all your army, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya. The Holy Spirit, outside our time realm, is naming the literal names. Persia is modern-day Iran. Iran changed their names, name, just in the last 60 years to Iran. It was Persia. Gomer and all its troops, the house of Togomer from the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be guard for them. And after many days you will be visited. In the latter years you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Missouri. Where? Israel. And there are so many churches. Somebody shared with me last week. or didn't share with me. Share with somebody that the church they went to did not mention Israel last Sunday morning. After what happened to us, they did not mention Israel on Sunday morning. <laughs> Guys, Israel, if you're new to the Bible, if you're new to the faith, the Bible is focused on Israel. Why? Because God gave them the Bible, that they would reach the Jew and the Gentile. If you have Jewish blood in you, you're a Jew. If you don't, you're a Gentile. Forget what ethnic group you think you belong to in the Bible, you're a Gentile. Jesus came for the whole world. For the whole world. So Israel which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. Why did last Saturday happen in Israel? I mean, sure, everybody can point fingers, but my perspective is they did. They dwelled pretty much in safety. Their country was, we go on to, been on many, ten tours. I'll ask, the, I'll ask the, every, midway through, I'll ask every group that's on the tour, do you guys feel safe? All hands go up. We absolutely feel safe. They felt safe. You will ascend coming like a storm, covering, notice, covering the land like a cloud. You and all your troops and many people with you. You will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. I will go into a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and have neither bars nor gates. Then you will come from your place out of the far north. In the Bible, Jerusalem is the center of the compass. When the Bible gives directions, it's always from Israel. And so what's directly north of Israel, the far north? Russia. You and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company, and a mighty army. You will come against my people Israel. This could not have been fulfilled until 1948 because there was no Israel. 1948, and I believe until 1967 when Jerusalem became the capital of Israel once again, that generation shall not pass until they see the coming of the Lord. So you will come against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. 
It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land. Notice that. Now, this is not a plug for Israel against Palestinians. But the land is God's land. The whole earth is God's land. But God has chosen the land of Israel specifically to show his glory and to fulfill his promises. So that the nations, why? So that the nations may know me when I am hollowed in you, O God, before their eyes. And I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him, on his troops, and on the many peoples who are with him. This is the armies that are in Israel coming against Israel. Flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. Old Testament. Old Testament judgment. It is going to take place. God's word will not fall short. Thus, I will, be mag- I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. This battle is not the battle of Armageddon. Satan orchestrates the battle of Armageddon, which is at the end of the tribulation. This is a battle prior to that time frame, outside of the great tribulation. There's no prophecy that needs to be fulfilled as far as the rapture is concerned. This could happen before the rapture. This could happen after the rapture. But it is going to happen. So what we are seeing today could be a prelude of coming attractions. Just read your Bible. It is going to come to pass. And make sure that you are on the right side. God's side. I would encourage you with some homework for this week. If you'd like to see where we are as far as biblical prophecy goes, Ezekiel 36 through 38. Read Ezekiel 36 through 39. I said 38, 36 through 39. We were just reading 38. This battle could happen prior to the rapture of the church. And that's just one map that we pulled. You can find other maps out there. But it lists the players. And those players are alive and sick today. Iran has publicly said many, many times, every Jew needs to die. We need to push Israel into the Mediterranean Sea. In case you're not aware of this, America in the eyes of Iran is the big Satan. Israel is the little Satan. And they desire to destroy. And we don't see anyone coming to their rescue. Did you notice that? No one came to the rescue except who? God came to their rescue. Which is very interesting. Because we are a very powerful nation right now, aren't we? And we have a fleet in the Mediterranean to show a little bit of intimidation to those who might come against Israel at this point in time. With this battle, there's no one there, which would include us. Maybe we're neutralized. Maybe we're not a nation anymore. We don't know. But know this. God is going to be lifted on high and magnified. So as you see these things come to pass, don't panic. Don't worry. But give God the thanks and the praise. And allow the Holy Spirit to maybe stir your heart to be a little more enthusiastic about your faith with those around us. Because the church is going to be taken off this earth. And we want to take somebody with us. So ask people to pray. Go out to dinner. I know it's very expensive, so when you do go out to dinner once a month, ask somebody to pray. Maybe give them a a Gospel of John. Be more involved. 
Don't do it on your work time. That's not what you're being paid for. Do it after work. Do it during school. Again, not, not disrupting a classroom. But you have the freedom to take a Bible onto your campus. You have the freedom to read your Bible. You have the freedom on lunchtime, break time, after school, before school, to proclaim that Jesus is God. You have that freedom and you have that right. According to the Bible, not according to the Constitution. According to the Bible. Know that God wants to get people saved. Father, we thank you and praise you for these days we're living in. These are very exciting days. They're very grieving days. What has taken place this past week is horrendous. Most of us have not seen anything like this in our lifetime. So, Father, we thank you and praise you for the word that we know the rest of the story. And we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in anxiety. We don't have to live in frustration. Where are you, God? You're on your throne. Your timing is perfect. All things are under control. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching and that you'll be glorified in and through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Revelation chapter 4, let's get into our main study this morning. I know many people are having a question, is this Armageddon? It is definitely not Armageddon. Has nothing, this, this battle has nothing to do with Armageddon, totally separate. Revelation chapter 4. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me. We go back to chapter 1, we know this is Jesus, saying, come up here. We talked about the rapture of the church, you can get the CD on that. And I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne in heaven and one sat on the throne. Um, Barb, you want to throw up that slide of America with the black square on it? Hopefully Jim has it available for you there. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Okay, so one of our folks that do the slides, that's 1,500 miles square on the United States. You know, when we first moved here in, the, in 77, uh, I was 17 at the time, and my parents watched the news every night, and almost every night, at the weatherman would say, and visibility, 54 miles, and visibility today, 45 miles, and he'd, oh, they would always, you know, that fell off, and now visibility, they don't mention visibility, do they? But you want to get this picture, we don't know where John is, it's 1,500 miles high, is the throne in the middle, is it down, is it up? But John, with perfect eyesight, are we going to be able to see 1,500 miles? I mean, the city is totally level, totally plumb. I don't know if we're going to be able to see 1,500 miles. Maybe we will. We're going to have perfect eyes. But you want to get this picture. John, this is heaven, guys. This is real. It's a city, the New Jerusalem, paradise. This is not mythical. This is not fake. As John is describing this, look at the mass of that. And he's now in the throne room, looking probably past the throne as well as seeing the throne as well. I'm sure he's looking around just seeing heaven. And what does he say he sees? He who sat was like a jasper and started stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Again, you get the CD from last week. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. Now picking up in verse 5, And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. 
The lightnings, the thunderings, and the voices are the coming judgments that we will cover in Revelation 6 through 18, which you will not see the church mention. People will be getting saved. But right now, the influence of the church is mighty. It's hard to believe, but it is mighty. There are many, many Bible-believing Christians at various levels of political status. There are many Christians in our society, Bible-believing Christians. We are the restraining force. But once the church is removed, that restraining force is taking off. And yes, people will get saved. But it's going to be much, much harder. It's going to be much, much harder. The evil is going to grow and grow and grow. You see, on this side of heaven, we see the pain of misjudgment and inadequate judgment. But there is still judgment taking place. Why? So that we may have some order. And with the judgment that has transpired in these last three years, we're seeing the result of improper judgment. Order is no longer prevalent. Chaos is prevalent. But in heaven, though, we see perfect judgment and hear the cry of Revelation 19, 1 and 2. And guys, just think about this. All the saints that were in Abraham's bosom, all those who died in the faith of God, Jesus took captivity captive and led them forth out of Abraham's bosom and he took them to heaven. However many tens of millions or hundreds of millions of saints there were. Now everyone who has died in the last 2,000 years, Bible-believing Christians, your loved ones, they're hearing this right now. They are in heaven right now. They're hearing this. These things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia. Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. So, For true and righteous are his judgments. After the seventh seal is opened in Revelation 8, we see in verse 5, there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. After the seventh trumpet sound in Revelation 11, we hear in verse 19, and there were lightning, noises, thunderings, an earthquake, and great hail. After the seventh bowl is poured out, in Revelation 16, we see in verse 18, and there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as not occurred since men word men there is mankind, were on the earth. Judgment, judgment, judgment. And it is an absolute righteous and deserving judgment that is being poured out upon the inhabitants of a Christ-rejecting world. And then in verse 5 there, we see the seven lamps, but a better translation would be seven torches. You see, typical lamps that we're familiar with, they need oil to keep them burning. But this is not the case here in heaven. It's important to note that things in the spiritual world are very different than what we have in this world. Remember, we're seeing heaven in our text. And here's a few examples of the hell in the life hereafter. This is not mythical. This is not allegorical. Jesus spoke often of hell. In Matthew 13, 41 through 43, the Son of Man will send out His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. This is Jesus speaking, not the local pastor. He is describing hell that was not designed for mankind. It was designed for the fallen angels. God sends no one to hell. If you choose to reject Jesus, even this day, if you say in your mind, I don't need your Jesus, I don't need your Bible, and I don't need the Christian faith, 
You sealed your own destiny. Don't blame God when you show up before him. And we'll cast them in the furnace of fire. They'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous, this is every Bible-believing Christian, then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In Matthew 25, 46, Jesus says, and these will go away into everlasting punishment. It's not going to end. But the righteous into eternal life, which will never end. Matthew 25, 30, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping. So even though there's fire, there's going to be darkness. We can't comprehend this. It's eternal. It's spiritual. But Jesus is describing hell. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If we look at Revelation 8.10, then the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. Again, like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. Remember that fire often represents judgment in the word of God. And within the verse, we see the seven spirits, as we studied in chapter 1, are the complete or fullness of the Holy Spirit, not actually seven separate spirits. So we can deduce from this that God's fiery judgment is perfect, and the Holy Spirit, being the third person of the Trinity, knows everything about everyone. There'll be no misjudgment. There'll be no excuses. As we look at verses 6 through 8, before the throne there was a sea of glass. Again, remember, 1,500 miles. Not a little pond, not a little lake. 1,500 miles. Depending on where John was. But it was 1,500 miles. This is, can't wait to die and get there. I'm so excited. Like crystal. Nothing we've ever seen on this earth. You're not excited about dying. Keep reading your Bible. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The seventh living creature was like a calf. Notice like, like. The third living creature had the face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. These living creatures that we see here show us this, that nothing, eyes in front, eyes in back, eyes within as they open the way, that nothing has been, will be missed that has been assigned to them. They're able to see, recognize, and understand what is taking place in every direction, and these creatures are explained in even more detail in Ezekiel 1 and 10. I encourage you to read chapters 1 and 10. And they are identified as cherubim. Cherubim. A ranking of angels, if you will. We see the cherubim at other times in scriptures. So these may appear to us as unique here in Revelation, but they're not. Remember the things of this earth are but a shadow of heavenly things. You see, here's the reality around the throne that John is seeing that I mentioned last week, that you and I have a glimpse to see. And the saints who have gone before us are in this heavenly reality right now. We, might, we cannot comprehend this. I can't comprehend this. But that doesn't negate the reality. The normal human being cannot comprehend the brutality of mankind. 
Yet that brutality still exists that we've seen played out once again this past week. Have we forgotten what ISIS did to people just a few short years ago? And the whole world, the whole world called it barbaric, especially when they posted their brutality on social media. Now we're seeing a heavenly reality and what a joy it's going to be there and participate in this reality. Let's look at a couple interesting things here. If we look at these four faces, they do line up with the four Gospels. Matthew speaks of Jesus as the king of the Jews. In the animal kingdom, the lion represents the king of the beast. Mark speaks of Jesus as the servant. In the animal kingdom, the ox represents a servant. Luke speaks of Jesus in his humanity, thus the face of a man. Man resides over the animal kingdom. And John speaks of Jesus as the son of God or his supremacy. In the animal kingdom, the eagle represents supremacy of the air. There's another interesting point in Numbers chapter 2. And so let's go ahead and throw up that next slide, Barb. There you go. Now this is just a, a rendering. We don't know for fact. They didn't have cameras back then. Um, I have seen pictures where the tribes are next to each other instead of stacked across this direction. So don't get hung up on that. But there were 12 tribes, and they were divided up this way. The children of Israel were to camp around the tabernacle on the north, south, east, and west in a rectangular formation. There were to be three tribes, three tribes on each side of the tabernacle. Four sides times three equals the 12 tribes. Now, on the east side of the tabernacle was Judah. You'll see it on the slide there. And the three tribes came under the flag of Judah. The symbol of their flag was that of a lion. On the west side of the tabernacle was Ephraim, and the three tribes came under the flag of Ephraim. The symbol of their flag was that of an ox. On the south side of the tabernacle was Reuben, and the three tribes came under the flag of Reuben. The symbol of their flag was the You guessed it, the face of a man. On the north of the tabernacle was Dan, and the three tribes came under the flag of Dan. The symbol of their flag was what? An eagle. An eagle. We first see cherubim in the Garden of Eden. They were placed there to guard the tree of life. Genesis 3.24 says, So God drove the man, Adam and Eve. They sinned. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If they would have eaten of the tree of life, they would have remained in that state for all of eternity. So God drove them out of the garden, and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden. Notice that. And a flaming sword which turned every way. So this flaming sword is not in the hand of an angel. This is a flaming sword. We have to step into the reality of heaven because we don't understand this. How could there be a flaming sword? Just going around a tree. To do what? To guard the way to the tree of life. When Moses was instructed to create the tabernacle, he was told that it was to be designed as a representation of a heavenly scene. And we see cherubim over the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. Now there was a veil. We don't have time for a deep, deep study. Do this on your own. But there was a veil between the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place. 
And on that veil, there were cherubim woven into it. When Solomon built the temple, he had various areas of the temple carved with cherubim. Now in Isaiah chapter 6, we see that there are seraphim mentioned, and it's only time that they are mentioned in the Bible. We hear this in Isaiah 6.3. And one cried to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Seraphim. Interesting to note, the devil was a cherubim, Satan. And you can read about a description of him in Ezekiel 28, 11 through 19. I would encourage you to read that. He was beautiful. He was the most beautiful angelic being from the scriptures. Ephesians 6, 12 gives us some insight. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Could this possibly be spiritual rankings? This could be spiritual rankings. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So it seems that the cherubim were the highest order of the heavenly beings. Verse 8, again, as we read it. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night. In other words, there's no time in heaven. When you and I step into heaven, nobody's going to come up to you and say, hey, when did you get here? There's no clock. It's a total different reality. And so we hear, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. These beings are crying out the truth for all of eternity. God's holiness. Notice, holy, holy, holy in verse 8. God's holiness. His almighty power, Lord God Almighty. So holiness is omnipotence. He's all-powerful. Who was and is and is to come, his eternal state. We cannot comprehend that. Don't get hung up on that as a Christian. Just ask the evolutionist, where did the gases come from? You work it back either way, you're at a roadblock, and it's called faith. You either believe in a big bang, or you believe in God. It takes faith. It takes way more faith to believe in a big bang. Everything is under control, and the cherubim acknowledge that. Verse 9, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever... The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Notice the verse, uh, the beginning part there, verse 9. Whenever, that's the when, the living creatures give glory, the 24 elders are the then. They then fell down and worshiped. 
You are worthy. God is a God of order. And these cherubim give praise to God. That's what worship is. Worship is praise, and it's saying, You are worthy. You are worthy. The 24 elders bow down. Notice the willingness of the elders to fall down and the praise and to praise the one who is worthy of all praise. So as we wrap up the study here this morning, let's ask ourselves this week a simple question. Am I willing to fall down and worship the God of all creation? I'm not saying here physically on a Sunday morning, falling on our knees, falling on our faces for everyone to see. I'm saying in the privacy of your own life, in the privacy of your own heart, have you allowed Jesus to be your Lord? You see, when we express it, we often say, allow Jesus to become your Lord and Savior. That's, that's backwards. He cannot be your Lord if He's not your Savior. So really, you become saved And then as you grow as a young believer, you come to realize, well, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit should be ruling over my life. And in the Bible, that's called lordship. That Jesus is Lord. He is the master. And I am the bondservant. And all the craziness that's going on, it still comes back down to our individual lives, doesn't it? How am I living out my Christian faith? I am not going to stop Israel. I'm not going to stop the Palestinians. You are not going to stop the Ukrainians. You are not going to stop the Russians. But how can I be an example for the people around me, those six, eight, ten people that interact with me, my neighbors, my coworkers, my family members, my friends, how can I have an impact on their lives for all of eternity? Is God, do I say, holy, holy, holy? God, you're worthy. You're worthy of my praise. Or do I have a different agenda? The world is focusing on individual rights, guys. The groups in America right now, they're all saying, all these different groups, well, I have a right. I have a right. And you have to endorse my right. Many in our country are focusing upon the Constitution. And unfortunately, there are many Christians focusing upon the Constitution. Let's always remember that the Bible overrides any other rights that we think we might have. And that will keep our rights in our proper perspective. I have a right to worship the one who lives forevermore because of what Jesus did on this earth. And just like Jesus... There is no greater right. Listen to this right from Jesus in John chapter 5, verse 30. I can of myself do nothing. This is Jesus speaking. Didn't he tell us as well, apart from me, in John chapter 15, you can do nothing? But we're taught in America and as independent and as as Christians... You can do everything. Just name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it. Bark it and park it. Make it happen. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous. Notice what he says here. Because I do not seek my own will. What? You don't seek your own will? Guys, three times in the garden, 
He prayed that he would be able to get, get past the cross. Maybe there's some other way. But God, not my will. Your will be done. My judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. What a great exhortation for us this week. Is it my will or, Father, is it your will? Eight billion people. How many are going to heaven? I think we have an opportunity to minister to to a few of them. Father, we thank you and praise you for the ministry you allow us to have in our neighborhood, with our coworkers, with our fellow students. Father, I pray for this young generation that they would not be afraid to share the gospel, but that they would carry their Bible. They would read their Bible in public. They would proclaim the goodness of God, that God loves the whole world, and that there is only one race, the human race. As we see politicians trying to divide this country on skin color. Father, there's only one race, the human race. Help us to guard the church that it would never enter into this church. Father, as we go out into our mission field, help us to be available to pray with someone this week, whether on the school campus, at a restaurant, in a grocery store, in the car as people are flying past us. Bring people to our minds that we might pray for them, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, in heavenly places. Father, lift our eyes to heaven where our brothers and sisters in Christ who have gone before us are are worshiping at your throne, are enjoying sweet fellowship with one another. Perfect bodies, perfect conditions. Father, lift our eyes to heaven that we'll be ambassadors for you this week. For time is running out. Lord, your word says to pray for leaders. So we pray for leaders, Lord. Leaders of this world, and especially Christians that are around these leaders. That you would give them tremendous boldness. The boldness that Daniel had, and Meshach, and Abednego. That that you would just bless them, Lord. That they'd have tremendous boldness to proclaim your goodness and your faithfulness. We need that same boldness in these days we're living in. For it's obvious, this world is coming after Christians specifically. So Lord, give us boldness via your Holy Spirit to speak the truth in love. Father, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let's all stand, guys. God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, please come forward. We'd love for you to receive Jesus as your Savior. Guys, don't be anxious. Don't become worried. Don't become burdened. Take it to Jesus. Take all those emotions to the throne of God and ask for more of the Holy Spirit because Jesus said, these are just the beginning of sorrows. Isn't that a great exhortation? glad I came to church this morning read the rest of the book we know who wins
God bless you guys. Need prayer for anything? Come on up. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.